to the fourth quarter comeback, your favorite fantasy football, real football, and against the spread betting football podcast in the world. I am your host, Six Pack Pat O'Connor, along with my faithful friend from New York. He is on a two-show appearance streak. Here he is, Red Zone Rick. Rick, how you doing? I'm doing good, Pat. Ready to get it going. Let's go. And that's Let's Go with a G-E-A-U-X. That is a New Orleans Let's Go because the New Orleans Saints, they beat the previously undefeated L.A. Rams 45-35 in New Orleans. It was a hell of a matchup, but Drew Brees and squad, they pulled ahead late in the game and they pulled off a big, very big win. Drew Brees went 346 and four touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, he scored two touchdowns, but it was Michael Thomas that was the hero of the day with 12 catches, 211 yards, and one touchdown. He had a career day. There was one big miscue there early on in the second quarter. The Rams were down on the New Orleans 16, and they decided rather than take the points in what would be a close offensive shootout, they went for a fake field goal, which was ruled short. Rick? What do you think of the game? What do you think about Thomas and everybody else in the game's performance? And what did you think about the fake field goal being ruled short? First off, let me start off by saying that I didn't like the call to go for the fake field goal. I didn't like the call, and I think it was short in my mind. I didn't like it. I think Sean McVay could have had a better play call if he wanted to go for it. We should have just went for it. But don't call a fake field goal in that situation. You cost yourself some points in what, like you said, was a tight, you know, offensive shootout. Although the Saints won by 10, it was, you know, it was still pretty close. And it was a hotly contested game. You know, Saints got out to the early lead. The Rams ended up getting back, getting back a couple points on answer points. They got it to a tie game and it went on from there. You know, um, it was a tough game for the Rams, I think, because I felt like they thought they could have made the comeback complete and it didn't work out for them. But credit to Drew Brees and the Saints. They played great. Michael Thomas was lights out. He's amazing. And uh I like his little celebration, paying tribute to Joe Horn. That was excellent. That was excellent. And like I thought would happen. Excellent, com- but really, really fucking dumb at the time. I get that he was saving that for a circumstance that he thought the game might have been out of control. But you're playing the top-seeded team in your conference. Is that really a wise call to pull out the phone knowing you're going to get a big penalty, which there was time left on the clock? The Rams did have an opportunity to be able to get down the field and get the onside kick, make up those 10 points. I know it was far-fetched, but that penalty made it a lot more possible. So was it really the right call? Yes, it was fun. I loved it. I loved the fun of it, paying homage to Joe Horn. But was it really the right call? No, not at all. But he made a call. So <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Ba-dum. Um, Like I thought with Kamara, I thought he would have a great game. If you remember back at the in the last show, I said that uh, I didn't think that Drew Brees was going to be able to throw the ball all over the field. But I thought that they would get it done with their running backs being Ingram, you know, doing what he does, taking the handoffs and running up the middle and getting those tough yards. And I thought that Kamara would be, you know, catching those screen passes, catching those angle routes and taking them for big yardage. This is what I expected from them. Michael Thomas 
was just a bonus. You know, all the things that Drew Brees did through the air was just like a bonus to me because I thought that this would be a really tough game for the Saints, you know, with the the Rams, you know, tough secondary. And it wasn't it wasn't the case. You know, Drew Brees had his way with them and he looked great. He looked every bit of, you know, an MVP. So I like the game. It was a great game. So I hope everyone else enjoyed watching it. Great game. Todd Gurley did not get his 100 yards, as you predicted, as we said last week. Against top five defenses, top five run defenses, he rarely goes over the 100-yard mark. He didn't get the century this time. Not for lack of trying, though. He did get 68 yards and a touchdown. It was a good performance by Gurley. The thing was, they weren't really feeding him the ball. He had a 5.2 average, so I'm not really putting it on him. but. They were putting the game in Goff's hands. They wanted to have a quarterback shootout in this one. I don't know if it was to boost Goff's confidence in the long run, knowing that they may see Breeze in the future, especially even in this stadium. I'm not sure, but I do feel they were trying to put the game more in Goff's hands than Gurley's. Gurley performed, but they just didn't put it together well enough to beat the Saints. What do you think? I think that, you know, Gurley not getting the ball enough had to do with the Saints pulling out such an early lead, you know, such a big early lead. But um, when the Rams caught up, I think that that's when they could have utilized Gurley a little more. But I think that they felt like it was just go time and, you know, we're going to have to just keep matching points with with the Saints and they weren't able to. That they were not. Saints with a huge win. That puts them at 7-1 while the Rams are at 8-1. But now the Saints own the all-important tiebreaker head-to-head. How this affects our power rankings, we're not going to tell you just yet. Stay tuned later on in the show to hear if this affects our power rankings at all. And from two coaches in Sean Payton and Sean McVay, who have tremendous job security and great offensive minds, to a couple of coaches whose seats are getting a little bit fiery. That's right. We're going to the coaches' hot seats, and these things are getting warm to hot, hot, hot. First up, we have Dirk Cutter. Let's go with Dirk Cutter in Tampa Bay. Rick, is Dirk staying, or is Dirk going? Dirk Cutter's a goner. I think that at the end of the season, I think the Buccaneers are definitely going to cut him, if not at some point soon enough, you know? Dirk Cutter, 17-23, and since he's gotten the job with the Buccaneers. Uh, He benched Jameis Winston for Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick. They got a quarterback carousel going around there. I think Fitzpatrick has a job for the rest of the year, but, you know, who's to tell that if he messes up, they're not going to switch quarterbacks again. You were said to have a rapport with Jameis, and that doesn't seem to be the fact right now. It's looking really bad in Tampa, and I think Cutter's a goner at the end of the season for sure. I agree. After we threw a whole lot of shade at the Sunshine State and their quarterbacks, we are definitely heading for a bit of a divorce. But it's not just going to be Dirk Cutter. It's going to be Dirk. It's going to be the GM. It's going to be Jameis. They are going to clean house in Tampa Bay. They are all done with everything going on in Tampa Bay. They're going to try to rebuild that whole ship because it's wrong. It's just gone terribly wrong. Next up, how about Sean McDermott? Buffalo, what do you think? I think he's going to end up staying, actually. I think it's just going to be a let's give him one more chance. He's a defensive coach, 
So maybe we let him try to grow this defense as it's kind of shown a little bit of potential here and there. But I just don't know. If they're going to keep him, they're definitely going to force some kind of new offensive coordinator or something on him because they need someone to grow that offense, grow Josh Allen. They are investing in the quarterback now. Not every team that has a new young quarterback can bail and bring in a great offensive mind. It just doesn't work that way. There's not enough of them around. So I feel like they're going to give Sean McDermott just a little more of a chance, let him try to fix something, but probably with a new quarterback mind. I think McDermott stays too. I think um, based off of last year when the Bills overachieved a little bit, you know, I think that with a roster, he proved that he can win games. And right now, you know, with the Buffalo Bills in such disarray, Josh Allen on the bench because he's injured. Not, you know, not only is he injured, but, you know, let's be honest, he's a rookie and they were going to go through growing pains this year anyway. So I think that this is one of those situations where he kind of gets a pass this season, if you get what I mean. So I think he's going to stay. I think Buffalo retains Sean McDermott. Agreed. How about John Harbaugh? John Harbaugh in Baltimore, is his seat too hot to keep him in town? I think he falls in line with one of those coaches that's getting the pass because he was such a great coach in the beginning of his coaching career with this team. You know, he did such a great job propelling them to a Super Bowl title against the 49ers, and now the team is on the decline, and it's showing. He's still got the defense playing pretty well, but Flacco never really materialized into what they thought he was going to be. And I think that soon enough ownership is going to pay attention to that. And if not this year, then next year is like a mandatory winning season for him. He has to have a winning season in my mind or else he's going to be gone. But this year, I think they kind of pump the brakes on it and give him one more chance and see what he can do next year. I do agree there is a very good likelihood that they'll give him another year to see what he can do. Here's my thought process, though. Ozzie Newsome has been around forever. He's one of the most well-known, well-respected, well-drafting GMs in the league. He's retiring. He's finally on the way out. And this organization is one of the few that has actually already named a successor and has a plan in place. So Eric DaCosta is going to be taking over. I think if he's taking over, this is his window. Blood-free, hands-clean, He's just going to say, screw it, I'm severing ties, I'm cutting Harbaugh, I want my own coach because Flacco's done here, I'm going to move forward with Lamar Jackson, I'm going to move forward with this team, we're going to be an exciting, dynamic, mobile offense, and just a hard-nosed, knock-you-around defense. I do see there to be opportunity for Harbaugh to stick around, but he's basically going to have to bench Flacco, start Lamar Jackson, and prove that he can coach up Lamar Jackson, he can win with Lamar Jackson, he can at least show some kind of progress, that he can make Lamar improve and get accustomed to this league, and that they can build a team around this unit and that quarterback-coach tandem. So, Harbaugh, if you want to stay, you're going to have to start Lamar Jackson and you're going to have to get him improved. I think that now, like going forward in the NFL, that's one of the biggest things that they look for in a coach, you know, that that trait of can you develop a young quarterback? You know what I mean? So I think you hit it on the head there. If he can show, you know, this season now with the with these last uh, seven games, eight games that we got remaining, 
if he can show some development with Lamar Jackson, I think he definitely saves his job. 100%. Problem is, I don't know that he can. I just, I see what happens when Lamar Jackson gets out there. Yeah, he's getting a little creative with Wildcats and different formations, and they have, they have Flacco standing out there like a fucking mannequin, just looking like the dummy that he is, standing <laughs> on the sideline, not moving an inch, and Lamar Jackson is just running with it. It's really not creative. It's just a change of pace. So just from what I'm seeing, I don't think Harbaugh has it in him. So with that, I think Harbaugh is just going to be gone. I will say Eric DeCosta is probably looking around the league, kind of feeling out different situations, seeing if he can bring a certain coach that he has in mind. If not, then maybe he sticks with Harbaugh another year. We go to Denver. Vance Joseph. He's going to stay. You know why he's going to stay, Rick? Because you want him to. <laughs> because John Elway's a fucking idiot. That's why. Floor is yours. <laughs> this guy's out of here, Pat. I'm sorry to tell you, man. This guy's definitely out of here. I think uh, they don't want to put the blame on Elway with the bad signings, and this guy's going to be the scapegoat. But that's he's why gone. he stays, because he's the ultimate scapegoat. That's why Elway's keeping him around, because <laughs> he's nothing but a scapegoat. He can keep screwing around, and this guy just takes it. Elway is just going to keep him because he already is going around saying, I th I don't think it's time to change. I think it's we're showing improvement. So he's already laying the groundwork for a reason to keep Vance Joseph. John Elway will keep him. Mark my words. And why is he going to keep him, Rick? Because you want him to. Because he's a fucking idiot. No, you, you got it wrong. Because <laughs> he's a fucking idiot. That's why. <laughs> this was not a biased uh, segment whatsoever. I just want that to be clear. Next up, Big D, Coach Clap, Jason Garrett. Is he finally clapping his happy ass to the unemployment line? Yes, he is. Finally. This guy, holy shit. I, I was beginning to think that he had Marvin Lewis type of information on Jerry Jones. You know what I mean? Like how Marvin Lewis definitely has something on his owner because guy, that's one of those lifelong jobs that's never going to be given up. Oh, absolutely. I thought, I thought Jason Garrett was headed down that line. You know what I'm saying? But I'm thinking that now, uh, with Dak kind of regressing, it's not looking good for Jason Garrett and Big D. You know, they got Amari Cooper, so now they're expecting some kind of results. You know what I'm saying? And if you can't get it done against Tennessee, who's a struggling team, and you're supposed to be, you know, one of those teams that thinks that you're a contender and you can't get it done against Tennessee, it's not looking good, especially at home. I don't know. And I think that at the end of the year, they are going to question, you know, Jason Garrett's leadership, and I could see him getting fired. Definitely. It's just not looking good at all. I, I, I just question his methods. It it never makes sense. I, I'm struggling to even speak because I can't put his dumbass thoughts into <laughs> my words. You know what I mean? It just it doesn't compute in my mind. You have a running back like Zeke. He's running very well in the first half. So what's your game plan in the second half? Eh, fuck him. You just <laughs> don't use him at all. We'll he got like six him. carries. He, I think he got like six carries in the second half. That's insane to me. How are you not using your best weapons? He is out coaching himself at this point. At that point, you just need to be fired. You need to go. You shouldn't even get another job, honestly. Just just go he, away. 
He's totally regressed, Pat. Nine you... years. Nine years this guy has been there. They've had three winning seasons, no playoff wins. He's just bad for this young offense. The defense is doing everything everything they can to fight against him, to, to hold the team up. But even they're having some problems here and there. Their offense, though, their young offense with Dak and Zeke and now Cooper, you need someone in there that's going to nurture and grow them. And he's dragging them. I don't Listen, like it. They need to fire him. He broke something that was totally fine, okay? He finally got what he needed when he picked up Zeke in the draft. You got Dak Prescott, you know, Tony Romo got injured, Dak Prescott came in and played lights out. But let's think about the game plan that they had every single week. It was based off Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott, okay? You handed him the ball, you let him run, and then you, ran, you, you threw off play action. And Dak excelled at it. And then, you know, Dak had such a great rookie year. In my mind, I think that they thought that he was, like, better than what he really is. And they didn't stick with the game plan, which was to run the ball. This is what made Dallas good. They ran the ball down your throat. Okay. They didn't care if you were stopping it in the first quarter. They didn't care if they weren't getting yards in the second quarter because they knew that by the third and fourth quarter, something was going to pop and they were going to get what they needed. All right. That combined with play action and, you know, Dak Prescott looking great with his accuracy, his rookie year. You know, rolling out of the pocket, it looked great. And somewhere along the line, Jason Garrett, just like you said with Ezekiel Elliott in the first half of this game, he looked great. And then in the second half, it was, eh, we're not going to use him. Well, that's the same thing that happened with his strategy. Eh, we're just not going to do it anymore. It's so bad in Dallas. <laughs> I think you made Jason Witten retire. <laughs> you know the Garrett family motto, if it ain't broke, get me a hammer. In Dallas, they need to get the axe, though. Cut his ass loose. Jason Garrett, gone from Dallas. That also shows you, I just want to throw one more thing in there. You see the culture that he has built. They ran out, they stood on the star, they posed, and he probably just stood there clapping, saying, brava. You send people out there, find a George Teague to go out there and take that motherfucker out. You don't let someone disrespect your field, your team, your franchise, your fans like that. It's a joke. <laughs> but by all means, keep losing. I'm a Raider fan. We want a top 10 pick. All right. Next up, Mike McCarthy, Green Bay. A lot of people might scoff at this and think, why would he be on a hot seat? He is definitely on a hot seat because there is no coach in this league with a better quarterback, and he is just wasting him. He is just wasting Aaron Rodgers in his prime. There's a newer front office in place there in Green Bay. They just took over last year. I feel like Mike McCarthy's just going to be done this year. They're going to want to make a move. They're going to want to bring someone in here that can work with Rodgers. That relationship has been shattered, I believe, a while ago, and I just don't see them putting it back together. Uh, I don't know. This one's iffy for me. I think that the Packers are going to keep Mike McCarthy this season. I think that the Packers would be one of the better teams in the NFL if they weren't so decimated by injury especially in the secondary. Um, I think that Mike McCarthy gets a pass this year and they try one more time next year with a healthy team. Or maybe they get healthy this year and make a you know strong playoff push, which would definitely bode well for his chances to be retained. So I'm looking for Mike McCarthy to stay in Green Bay at least another season. And last but not least, Rick, I saved this one just for you. 
I, I wanted to spare you the heartache as long as we could, but we have Todd Bowles of the New York Jets. He is the longest tenured coach in the league to not make the playoffs. He has 13 wins since 2016. There is absolutely no reason why he should still be employed by the New York Jets after this year. Shit, I would say, after this week. But it's not that drastic to me. Rick, floor is yours. <sighs> Todd Toilet Bowles. That's all I can say about this guy. Todd Toilet Bowles is 23-34 and 34 as the Jets coach. We're three and six this year, okay? Yeah, we didn't expect us to be great, but we expected to see something, and we did see something the first few weeks. It looked all right. It wasn't looking bad. But here we go with this stretch of bad games, bad play calls, bad clock management. It's just frustrating as a Jet fan to see this continuously happening, and we don't make any changes Todd Bowles is 5 and 11, 5 and 11 and 3 and 6 in the last 3 years. Okay? He's hurting us. He's blundering all over the place, if you get what I'm saying. He's making ridiculous calls. He's not calling the timeouts that we need late in games when we need these timeouts to stop the clock so we can make these pushes for comebacks. He's just not a good coach, and it's showing. His strategy's always off, okay? He knows nothing about offense, and that's hurting us with our rookie quarterback. You're giving the reins to somebody who's playing an extra, ultra-conservative style of football that's hurting our rookie quarterback, okay? The Jets have become extra predictable, and Todd Bowles needs to go. Like you said, he needs to go right now, like tomorrow. You saw our center couldn't make a snap. He couldn't snap the ball in shotgun, yet you left him in the game. And now, because you left him in the game, Donald's out for Sunday's game with a sprained foot. Tabos is killing us. He needs to go right now. Those are our fourth quarter comeback coaching hot seats. We'll see who was right, who was wrong, and who is still there. My money is on Vance Joseph staying in Denver. <laughs> Next up, we have our fourth quarter comeback, half-season awards. That is right, we did our quarter season, and now we are past the halfway point. It's going to be a little more thorough. Let's start off with Defensive Rookie of the Year. Rick, who do you have? Well, my defensive rookie of the year is going to be Darius Leonard, linebacker from the Indianapolis Colts. I think he's been playing. I think he's been playing lights out. I think this guy is a diamond in the rough, and the Colts got themselves one of the better defensive players in this year's draft, and going forward, probably going to be one of the better linebackers in the NFL. I like Darius Leonard. I like Darius Leonard a lot as well. I like him so much. I put him at number two, behind Derwin James. Derwin James, 55 tackles, three and a half sacks, which leads defensive backs, one interception, and six passes defended. 
Derwin James is just doing it all for the LA Chargers right now, and he is stepping in as a rookie with that defense's best player, Joey Bosa, out all year, and he is carrying the mantle of that defensive leader with not just pride, but a lot of effectiveness. He is crushing it as a field general in the back of that secondary for LA, and he is holding that team and that defense up, giving them a chance every Sunday and giving them a realistic chance at the Super Bowl, especially once Bosa comes back. Derwin James is my Defensive Rookie of the Year. On the other side of the ball, we have Offensive Rookie of the Year. I believe there will be no surprise, so I think we can say, on the count of three, one, two, three, Saquon Barkley. You didn't say it, so I'm thinking maybe you have a surprise after all. Yeah, um, I, I like Saquon Barkley, okay? Don't don't get me wrong here. But I'm just going to say that for, you know, for what it's worth, Calvin Ridley to me Ugh. has been at uh just just a little more explosive than Saquon Barkley. No. Saquon. No, no, no. Saquon Barkley. Listen Calvin to Ridley me. is awesome, but this is clearly your crosstown bias coming in. Or your cross it's not. bias. It's really not. It's really not. Saquon Barkley only 21% of his carries have converted first downs, okay? Which is the below the average of 22% for the NFL, all right? Barkley's got 152 yards from scrimmage in garbage time. That, that means that when the Giants are starting a drive with less than a 1% chance to win the game, Barkley has the most yards from scrimmage but in the But think about what you're saying. Garbage time. The Giants are a garbage team. So it's not like exactly. they're it's not like they're the team that's ahead and they're running. They're using in garbage time when they're behind, they're still using a running back. That shows you how this important is, this he is, is. This is a lot of checkdowns. This is what we're talking about. This is a lot of checkdowns that inflate his his yardage. I'm not completely inflated sold on Saquon Barkley. All you want, he's inflated it over to a thousand plus total yardage. I mean, he's got 519 that's... rushing yards. Almost 500 receiving yards. He's got seven touchdowns behind that trash offensive line with doofus Eli Manning and Odell Beckham doing whatever the fuck he's doing. Saquon Barkley, as a rookie, has put this team on his shoulders. This offense on his shoulders. And they've gone nowhere. No, they're in games. Let's not pretend like the Giants aren't in close games. They've lost a lot of close games. So... Barkley is the guy. I don't know what you're saying because he is the guy, not just this year, but going forward, he is going to be one of the best players on the offense in this league. So Saquon Barkley is definitely the offensive rookie of the year. I like Ridley. I absolutely like Ridley, but it's not even close for me. (laughs) Who's the offensive rookie of the year? Ridley's a nice compliment. I like Ridley. I think Ridley, listen. This is this was a tough decision for me. All right, it really was, but I just think that Ridley has has kept Atlanta afloat, if you will. All right, I think Julio Jones has lost a step. Look at you know he scored his first touchdown this weekend. You know what I'm saying? I think Matt Ryan has developed a great rapport with Calvin Ridley, and I think that 
going forward, he's going to be one of the better receivers in the NFL, putting up a lot of points. He's kind of, you know, like the the Brandon Cooks mold. And yes, I agree with you 100% that Barkley right now is putting up a statistically good season. But I just think that it's not it's not backed by anything, you know. But the Falcons He's not are playing garbage for too. Anything. The Falcons are not a good team either, Rick. Yeah, but the Falcons, not, are, the Falcons the Falcons are going are, to the Super Bowl. So because the Falcons about? are missing people on defense, all right? The Giants have their full squad the and Giants just aren't are going anywhere. The Giants are missing people on offense and defense. Just because they're playing doesn't mean that they're not missing in action. They suck, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. And We're talking about away. expectation here. We're talking about all these types of things, all right? Once pe- once, once the Falcons had, you know, their top linebacker go down, their safety go down, two corners, like we knew that they were going to be in shootouts because their offense can still score, okay? But we knew that they were going to lose some games, all right? The Giants came in and they were talked about as a contender. All right. And they've gone nowhere. They've completely flopped. Not by realistic and, people. And like I said, statistically, Barkley is putting up a great season, but it's not backed by anything. There's no substance behind it. He's not playing any meaningful games. They're not winning any games. The Falcons are close. The Falcons are winning some games. The Giants aren't doing anything. OK, and no, it's not Saquon's fault, but he's not doing enough early in games to put the Giants up or keep them ahead. You okay, understand what I'll I'm saying? I'll leave it at this, that it is an individual award. It is not a team award. It is It is an individual award it's and not a team. It's an individual award, exactly. So I'm not worried about what each team is doing because both teams suck. Both teams suck this year. They're both underachieving. So I understand the Giants are a bit worse, but it's an individual award, and as an individual, Barkley is the better player over Calvin Ridley. I don't think so because... Barkley's better. We will revisit it at the end of the year. I love that we have put this on the table now. I will definitely say, end of the year, Barkley will be the offensive rookie of the year. And I'm not going to say that you're going to be wrong, but what I'm saying is that it is an individual award, and I think that Ridley's individual individual performance is bringing in more wins than Barkley's, which has to be there is has Ridley to be going to is really going to win the award. Like what would it take? I think so. What would it, I think okay, so? What I would think it if take he, statistically, statistically, what would it take for Ridley to beat Barkley in this award? I don't know. Give me a thousand yards, eighty catches and no. Seven touchdowns. No, no, no. From a rookie wide receiver you're, you're on a losing sure. team now? On a losing Barkley team, like we say? already has 1,000 yards. That's fine. It's easy to get 1,000 yards when you're a running seven back. Touchdowns. You're getting, listen, but, listen, running backs, there's, there's something to be said for running backs just getting more touches anyway. Wide receivers are not getting, Calvin Ridley's not getting 20 targets, 30 targets a game. Saquon Barkley is getting the ball 30 times a game. He's getting 15 carries. He's getting 15 passes thrown his way. He he's being overused. I don't know, he's know being how that's overused. a negative. I don't get how that's re- detracting from my Because team. he's getting garbage time stats. A lot of his stats are check downs at the when end of the game. When you play for the Falcons and the Giants, 
It's garbage time all the time. No, it's not because the Falcons are in most games. The Giants okay, are they're losing in a games. lot of games. They're too. losing games 38 to 35. The Giants are not doing that. The Giants are losing games 13 to 7. Look okay, at the what Giants Saquon are losing did games against 20 your to 13. number five team. Your number five team, the Panthers. Barkley was lighting them up, and it took a last second, what, 64-yarder? Okay, so, so they have like good the games. Giants aren't That's like Ridley's four-touchdown game. Okay, there's breakout games. We have breakout games. That's fine. All right? So there you have it. Ridley had one good game, really, one great game. Yeah, and, and Saquon had one good on full game, and then his other stats are garbage time stats. This is my point. All right, Saquon all right, Barkley we'll call, it. We'll call it right there, and we're going to leave it. We will wait until the end of the season, and we'll see who is right. I'm going Barkley, you're going Ridley, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Should be an interesting battle. No matter what, both guys, great talents, great futures in the league. They're going to light it up for the rest of the season. Defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year. Who do you have, Rick? <laughs> Without a doubt, Aaron Donald. I mean, is it anyone else? It is not anyone say- else. I have Aaron Donald as well. <laughs> I, there were a couple of other guys that had a chance, but it's Aaron Donald. 10 no, sacks, no 21 quarterback hits, 13 tackles for a loss. And those are just the measurables. There's something about him that... When you look at the secondary and how on paper they're supposed to be one of the best in the league, but Peters, his head is not right. Tlaib, he's had injury issues. That secondary is not what they were thinking. As far as an asset, they are just not as strong as they were expecting. So Aaron Donald is proving that he is the anchor. He is tearing through that line. He started off a little bit slow, but he is crushing it. Aaron Donald, best defensive player. I would say Khalil Mack would be up there, but. He's been hurt, so he drops off. It's Donald's award. Coach of the year is up next, Rick. There are a lot of options, a lot of different people out there. McVay, what he's doing with the Rams, you can't argue with the results. I mean, you got Sean Payton. You got guys like Nagy in in Chicago. What he's doing with that team when they had such low expectations. Belichick is always... Belichick's kind of like winning the coach of the year is like LeBron James for years or Michael Jordan for years winning MVP. You know, it's just he's obviously the best, but you just kind of stop giving it to him because there are other worthy guys. (laughs) So this year's coach of the year, very worthy guy, Andy Reid. He's got the Chiefs at eight and one. He's doing it with essentially a first year quarterback in Pat Mahomes. How he has brought Pat Mahomes up into this league, it is an amazing use of his talent, his arm strength, using his mind. He was protecting the ball very well early on to get off to a hot start. He's still protecting it pretty damn well. Kareem Hunt is coming on strong, just as I predicted. He's transitioning now the team into a stronger run team, a stronger pass out of the backfield team to utilize Kareem Hunt's strengths. He has so much talent. I love what Andy Reid is doing. I don't love it personally as a Raider fan, but I do love that he has built this team into an offensive juggernaut while keeping the defense strong enough to stay in the games. Andy Reid's the coach of the year. I think Andy Reid is definitely the coach of the year. I agree with you on this one. Just looking at his seamless transition from, you know, Alex Smith 
to Pat Mahomes. They didn't miss a beat. Not only did they not miss a beat, but they, they turned the beat up. You know what I mean? Like the beat got faster. The rhythm got better. They look great. Kansas City is amazing right now, and that's definitely a testament to Andy Reid and the way he coaches his team and how great he is for the development of Pat Mahomes. Andy Reid, definitely the coach of the year. There's other worthy guys out there, but just what he's doing with Pat Mahomes at such a young age, he's got Pat Mahomes leading the NFL. He's the baby face of the NFL. Andy Reid is the coach of the year for sure. Hasn't won that award in 15-plus years. I think this is the year he finally breaks the streak. He should bring home the hardware. Next up, we have League MVP. In the initial awards, I had Khalil Mack taking the award home, which I immediately changed on Twitter, if anybody was paying attention, to Todd Gurley. Rick, you had old Frogger himself, Pat Mahomes. So... Are you changing your pick, or are you still sticking with Pat Mahomes for MVP? I thought about this one long and hard, and although Pat Mahomes is very deserving of the midseason MVP award, I'm going to have to go ahead and give it to Drew Brees. I think that his performance on Sunday was amazing, and it made me believe in the Saints. I think the Saints are going to make a strong run in the playoffs and are definitely, you know, in a tie right now for me, like if they could make the Super Bowl or not. I definitely love the way the Saints are moving. I think that what really tipped the scale for me was that Drew Brees does more or not more in Pat Mahomes' case, but he does basically as much with less. I think that if Kansas City had an injury to Pat Mahomes, they could probably bring in someone serviceable and still get some wins because of the talent they have on their team. I think if Drew Brees goes down, the Saints are done. The Saints are done for. They do have talent on their team, but I don't think it's Well, too- I'm, not, I'm not sure about that part of it. Since they have Teddy Bridgewater there, they traded for him. They'd run a lot with uh, Taysom Hill running out of the backfield. They have a two-headed dragon. In Camara and Ingram, I don't know if I can agree with that one, and that's a big part of why Drew Brees wasn't my MVP choice. I do agree that Brees, he's been crushing it statistically. He's been setting a lot of big records, breaking through a lot of milestones as well. Brees has a lot going for him, but I just don't see him as being the guy right now. I am still riding with my initial choice and by that i do not mean khalil mack because that was not my real choice i am going with todd Gurley. still my nfl mvp 868 yards 12 touchdowns 362 yards through the air and four touchdowns he's got the rams he's leading that offense i don't care how you think about it jared goff is not leading them todd Gurley is he has that team an eight and one record Todd Gurley is just a beast. He has every opportunity to break a lot of big records. He could set records for touchdowns. He is just the man. Todd Gurley is going to put up damn near 2,000 yards. And if they're not protecting himself, if they don't run away with the division early enough, which it doesn't look like they will after losing to the Saints and a rough patch ahead, I think Gurley 
is going to put up huge numbers. So Gurley, he just has the intangibles. He can move. He can shake. He's got, he plays well in the receiving game. He will bowl you over like a cannonball. He has a great mind for the game. He just has it all. Todd Gurley is the MVP of the NFL this season. And Todd Gurley's the MVP, and he is playing for the LA Rams, who are a major Super Bowl contender. We had Super Bowl predictions earlier this year. Rick, remind everybody who you chose to be in the Super Bowl. I chose the Rams, and I chose the Patriots. You chose the Rams and the Patriots. Pretty good pick there. I went with the Steelers and the Packers, actually. So, unfortunately, my teams have kind of dropped off. I do believe the Steelers actually have a really good chance still to get there, especially if Bell ends up doing it, and they will actually, at that point, I believe, have the best backfield in the league. I just, I don't buy that the Steelers are going to be able to get it done because I don't see them clinching enough of a home field advantage. So if they have to go to the West Coast or they have to go to New England, I just don't necessarily think they're going to be able to win. So I am going to change. I'm going to take this mulligan. I'm going to take a new Super Bowl, my mid-season Super Bowl pick. It's going to be the team from L.A. I like the L.A. Chargers. Once Bosa gets back, you have Derwin James, my defensive rookie of the year. You have Phillip Rivers. Finally getting to his Super Bowl. He wants to win. He wants to bolo tie that son of a bitch out there with that Super Bowl trophy. I just think the Chargers are going to be able to get there. Who are they going to be playing? The Saints. I like that. I like that a lot. Chargers, Saints, that's my Super Bowl. I do like Breeze to get it done, actually, though. Fuck Rivers. I think the Saints are going to win. Rick, who do you got? I'm going to stick with my pick. I'm going to stick with the Rams, and I'm going to stick with the Patriots. I think the Patriots are poised to make a run in the AFC if they can just hold off Kansas City. Hopefully Kansas City doesn't, you know, sneak one past New England, but I think New England is still strong enough to get everything done. And I, I like the Rams still. Even though they lose to the Saints, I still like the Rams. I think that um they have the better roster, and it's going to show later on in the season I think that the acquisition of Dante Fowler didn't really pay dividends in this game because it was his first game. I think as he gets more comfortable with the defensive scheme, I think you're going to see a really dangerous pass rush coming from the Rams. And I think that that's not going to bode well for the Saints going forward if they do meet in the playoffs. And I'm going to stick with the Rams on that. But how about those greedy savages? How about they were trying to go for Jadavian Clowney or Jerry Hughes before they even got to the Dante Fowler offer? Unbelievable. That just proves how much of a win now, win right now mode that that front office, that that coaching staff, and that Kroenke are in. They want that trophy as soon as they're opening that LA stadium. Good picks there, Rick. And I will say mine was pretty good as well. We will, we agreed on a lot of those awards, but we definitely had a major disagreement on Offensive Rookie of the Year. We'll have to wait and see who is right. But for now, those are our fourth quarter comeback midseason awards. And now, kids, here's a little quick fantasy advice for you on the fourth quarter comeback. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. No buys, no sells, just the hard truth. Listen, if you are in the playoff hunt, but you are on the verge of elimination, it's time to get rid of Le'Veon Bell. You have until Tuesday. 
just make the hard choice. I know you've stuck with him this long, but he's partying in Florida. He's playing basketball or whatever the hell he's doing in Pittsburgh now. He's writing upside down written tweets. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He has a new out clause. He's not going to be able to be franchised again next year. They can transition tag him. It's a whole big mess. But long story short, he doesn't even have to report. So it's a decent opportunity. It's a decent chance he will not even show up. Take the chance. Try to sell him to one of the higher up teams in your league. Yes, if he shows up, you are almost essentially giving the league to them. But that might not be true because he could be splitting time. He could be coming off the bench because they don't want to put they don't want to rub Connor the wrong way after he's played so well for them. So what you have to do is try to sell Le'Veon Bell for a halfway decent price. Nobody's going to pay full price for him anymore, but you can get some kind of return. Make sure you get a decent flex back, a wide receiver too, a combination of the both. Get what you can to fill out your roster so you can get to the playoffs. Because even if you're handing the guy a great weapon, it won't matter if you're knocked out and you're watching it all on the sidelines. So get your ass in the playoffs. Get rid of Le'Veon Bell if you're on the brink of elimination. That's my simple advice to you this week. Do the right thing. Last but not least, Rick, we have world-renowned, world-famous, Always accurate, always loved. Fourth quarter comeback, power rankings. I will lead us off, Rick. I have the Chargers still at number five as my number five team. They are six and two. And just to combat your number five team a little bit, both the Panthers and the Chargers, my number five team and your previous number five team, I don't know if they still are, they are both at 220 points. 220 points for, 180 points against, exactly. So they have the same points for and points against. Very interesting there. The problem is Carolina is 1-3 on the road. Yes, they are 5-0 at home, but the Chargers are 3-1, so it's not a big discrepancy. Carolina not getting it done on the road. Meanwhile, LA is 3-1. That makes a big difference to me. 6-2, Chargers, they're my number 5 team. Rick, who is your number 5? My number five is going to remain the same, Carolina Panthers. I think that Cam Newton is still getting it done, even though they're not winning on the road right now. I think that because they have a running game and they play decent defense, soon enough they'll start finding those road wins. Um, I just think Cam Newton's intangibles right now and Christian McCaffrey coming alive. I think that the Panthers are still my number five team. I will give it to you, Eric Reed was a major pickup. While I don't necessarily love his attitude all the time, and that's not even talking about the kneeling on the field, he has proven to be a huge boost to that secondary. I do like Carolina, I just don't like him enough to be my number five team. Rick, who's your number four? My number four team is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs again. Um, They're great, and I I feel bad having them this far, far down my power rankings, but The three teams on top of them are just better at this point. There you have it, but I will say one team that isn't better, if you look at my rankings, the New England Patriots. I got the Pats at number four. They're seven and two. They're going to stay at number four until they do something to really improve. They beat the Packers, but it's a Packers team that has been playing strong, but they've been playing hurt, and they've been playing mistake-full. 
football in the fourth quarter. So, while it was an impressive win, it was a home win. I expected it. Belichick, he always has his guys ready at home. Patriots, they're a very impressive team. They're going to run away once again with another AFC East title. And there's a good chance that they could get home field advantage. If they do, then look out for them in the playoffs to make another run to the Super Bowl. For now, they're my number four team. That's because I have the Chiefs, number three. Pretty sure they're going to be swapping spots with your teams. But listen, the Chiefs, they finally took a hold of the net points advantage from the Rams this week. They have 101. They've gone over 100 points in the point differential. Their offense is killing it. Their defense is playing very well. They're 8-1. Yes, their only loss is to the Patriots, but we all know how that game was played. We know that the Chiefs easily could have won that one just as easily as they lost it. I like the Chiefs. They're still my number three team. They're the best team in the AFC at the current moment. I like Mahomes. I like Coach of the Year, Andy Reid. They're going to keep crushing it moving forward. My number three team is obviously the New England Patriots. I think that I put them at three because they got the head-to-head win over the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that their experience right now is an advantage for them over the Chiefs. You know, they've gotten it done before. They know how to get it done in the playoffs. And I think that the Chiefs might hit some bumps in the road when they get to that point. You know, it'll be interesting to see if they can make a strong playoff push with Pat Mahomes and, you know, his inexperience a little bit. but. It remains to be seen. Seven and two, New England Patriots, my number three team. My number two team is going to be the New Orleans Saints again. I know that everyone wants to see them up at number one because they beat the Rams. But as I just told you, Pat, I still think the Rams have the better roster. I think the Rams are going to be really, really strong going down the stretch that defense is going to come alive that pass rush is going to look amazing trust me when i tell you once fowler gets in the groove they're going to look like a well-oiled machine on defense and i think that the rams are going to get home field advantage they're going to make the saints come down to them if if the saints make it that far and they're going to get it done at home the saints number two i will say I don't follow your logic where the Patriots are ahead of the Chiefs because they beat them head-to-head, but the Saints and the Rams, doesn't that rule doesn't apply. In my world, it does apply, and I am putting the Rams. I promised it last week after this game something would change. Instead of the Saints falling back further off of my list, they are going to jump up. The Rams are at number two, finally unseated from the number one pole position in the power rankings. Rams at 8-1. and one. While they are a phenomenal team, they have a good chance to get home field advantage. I absolutely agree with you on that. The Rams lost to the Saints. The Saints are looking great. Like you said, Drew Brees is your MVP going forward. I just like everything the Saints are doing. That's why I had to move them up. Rams are number two. Saints are my number one team, the New Orleans Saints. They're 7-1. and one. They're on a seven-game win streak. Listen, Tampa Bay fits magic. Week one, the Saints secondary was just not even awake yet. They didn't even know they were playing football week one, and they got torched. It was an embarrassing moment, and the Saints, Drew Brees, slapped everybody across the face, woke them all up, and decided, let's do this thing. Let's do it the way we know we can play football. And they are on a seven-game win streak they haven't stopped since week one. So, 
I love what they're doing. They're not resting on their laurels. They are actually adding players by adding Eli Apple with a trade with the Giants. They just recently acquired free agent receiver. This is the big one we've been waiting for, Rick. Des Bryant has signed with the New Orleans Saints a one-year contract. I think he is going to excel opposite Michael Thomas. That is going to be the most dangerous. You might have to put them on par with the Rams offense, the Chiefs offense. You have Breeze throwing the ball. You have the best backfield in football. Now you have Michael Thomas. These guys are going to get the job done. They're going all the way to the Super Bowl. They're going to win. The Saints are my number one team this week. I am fired up about it, as you can tell. Rick, I know the Rams are your number one team. Tell me why they're still better than the Saints. Again, it goes back to them just having the best overall roster, in my opinion. I I think they're going to turn it on really, really soon. That pass rush is what kills everything in the NFL. You you know, you can go back and and see all the the great offensive teams that have gone down to the defensive pass rush. You know what I'm saying? And I think that the Rams adding Fowler was the missing piece. And he will come alive. They will come alive. And they're going to rush everyone. So Drew Brees isn't going to have the time to sit back there and pick these guys apart like he did this time around. I think that that's going to do it. That's that's going to be the advantage for the Rams. And I like the Rams to go to the Super Bowl, and that's why they're my number one team. All right, so the pass rush making the big difference in L.A. for Rick there. In L.A., Louisiana, I believe the offense, the game planning, the whole system is going to make the big difference on the Saints Super Bowl run. We're going to have to wait and see. Which team is actually the better one? I have a feeling we're going to find out in the NFC Championship game. I still have the Saints. You have the Rams. It's going to be a great rivalry no matter what. Hopefully for years going forward. And those are our fourth quarter comeback power rankings of the week. We look forward to sharing next week as we look forward to Sunday's games going into week 10. And with that, we thank you very much for listening to the show and coming back. Thank you very much. We appreciate all the support, all the listens, all the downloads, likes, and subscribes. Please tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a co-worker, tell somebody you hate, tell somebody you love, tell somebody you randomly know, let your mailman know. The fourth quarter comeback is the show. Let's get this thing out there. Please give us a listen, give us a like, give us a chance. We will not let you down. I am your host, Six Pack Pat O'Connor. You can follow us on Twitter at 4QC Show. You can also follow me on Twitter at Six Pack Pat with the number six. You can find Rick at... Rick Red Zone. Rick Red Zone. You can also find Rick's picks at Rick Red Zone. Rick, how'd you do last Sunday? Perfect 4-0. Perfect 4-0 on Sunday. How about that? So for Red Zone, Rick, I am Six Pack Pat. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. And with that, time for our parting shot. Bill O'Brien of the Houston Texans wins Coach of the Week for me for calling Vance Joseph a dumb fuck.